0: Track with Hinch and Rossi.
1: Where's your sandwich from?
0: Panera, it was lovely. I like that you you schedule your lunch for when we're recording this because you did the sandwich no. last week too. I, it's
2: actually you're right. It's the exact same sandwich uh, from Panera. <laughs> um, but no, this was supposed to arrive like half an hour ago, but the guy was late, and so I once again am having to eat while we record. But I'll do it quietly. Oh,
0: God, this takes me back. <laughs> Welcome to the last episode of Off-Track with Hinch and Rossi Thank
2: God We finally make it to the big leagues and then Tim decides to quit because he can't deal with
0: I don't like ASMR eating, I apologize You don't like what? Isn't that what it's called, the ASMR when people do those videos of just audio? Like somebody whispering or somebody turning newspapers
2: that's a question for the guy that went to film school, not for the two guys that drive in circles for a living.
0: I didn't go to sound school. Well, I mean, it's film. It's all
2: related, isn't it?
0: I'm sorry. Please tell me how many movies
1: you have watched without sound.
2: Great point. <laughs> it's a great point. I actually, mean, there was an entire
1: good era amount,
0: of silent actually. films. but yeah. you, didn't,
1: you didn't go to writing school.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And that's why I'm not that good of a writer. That's fair. No, <laughs> Makes sense.
1: <laughs> You're not that good of a podcast producer either.
0: Yeah, that's that's valid. Well you, to you be work fair, with what you get.
1: We don't give give them much to work with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of you guys is eating a sandwich and we're twenty three minutes late today. <laughs> okay, so let's go
2: over let's go over why we're late today. <laughs> Which once again is I, I, on me. I wasn't late. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. this one's on Alex me. Alex
0: and I have been here the whole time.
2: I feel like I feel like Thim's actually been fairly consistent with his arrival times in the history of this show. I'd say if we had to put it down, you've been the best, you've been the most punctual, then Alex, and then a massive chasm down to me at the bottom of the chart.
0: Well, I think, to be fair on that, I also have the least going on outside of this. Mm. So, Uh, of course, I'm going to be on time.
1: Yeah, your literal, your literal day revolves around when you have to remake another batch of sparkling water from tap water.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true. And then it's complicated because it's got to go through the Brita first because I'm not going to have dirty sparkling water, right? And that's then you're going to put it in there.
1: Yeah.
2: How is the water in L.A.?
1: <laughs>
0: it's a, I've heard it's hard, but I don't know what that means. Yeah, um, mean, water is mostly means soft.
1: Ex- it means it's excited to see you.
0: oh no we're just starting there that's where today's episode starts
1: guys the reason why today's episode is going to be an absolute (laughs) storm is because i am still seething with rage after um what happened not only on sunday but just you know starting with my golf cart tires placed <laughs> on the top of my motorhome to the failed attempts at retaliation.
0: That to- made me so happy to see those golf cart tires up
2: there. Okay, so we didn't cover this before. This happened after our last episode, right?
1: But yeah, that's true. But I assume most of our listeners have seen the internet.
2: All right, so <laughs> let's let's assume that people have seen the internet. Um, but just in case you have just a quick summary Somebody went into the bus lot at Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, while we were away, um, in between qualifying and the race, and removed all four of Alex's golf cart tires from his golf cart, put it on cinder blocks, and then very conveniently and neatly stacked all four tires on top <laughs> of his motorhome. No mean feat.
1: Um, but what I is what I really, really like like a very challenging thing to do because like my bus has one of those ladders that goes like halfway down. And then the other half you actually have to like attach and it's sitting in the storage bays. Right. So like the person that did it either had to get a ladder or jumped and is very, very acrobatic. Hey, Veach is a, Veech is a mountain climber. Did we ever add him to I the know. suspect
0: list? Also, did- are, are you sure that your bus driver is not involved?
1: I'm positive because the bays were locked and I had the keys. But okay, okay. all
0: right, it's
2: a valid question. So um, to, oh, hold on, let's 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 run everybody through the series of events
0: that happened next.
2: How okay? How did yeah, you find uh, out? Way, I want this- to point out. So I asked found- you
0: guys repeatedly. Hey, who was it? What's the plan? And you guys both just went radio silent on me. I was just dying for information over out, out here. Well,
1: it's because quite frankly, we just didn't want to talk to you. That's, yeah, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so how, how did
0: you first find out about it?
1: So I got I got sent a picture of the picture that was on the Internet of my golf cart on cinder blocks um, in front of my bus. And then the four tires stacked on the f- top front of the bus. And it came from a Scott Dixon spotter. And um, there was no, like, wording. It was just that picture. And it was like, <laughs> cool. So I got it as soon as I was going into uh, the gym that day. And I immediately was like, it's James. Because the reason I immediately jumped... I would
2: like to know why you immediately came to me as suspect number one. Very aggressively, by the way,
1: came to me. Because... because I never was your teammate at Andretti Autosport. True. But I know for a fact that at your time at Andretti Autosport, you were involved in a lot of prank wars. Allegedly. With, with some of the staff there. Yeah. And it, it made a lot of sense that your first year back at Andretti Autosport, you know me the most these days. You're going to try and do something clever and funny. Because you're the little prank, funny Canadian, ha second favorite dancer in America, like all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You see where my deductive reasoning went? I, I
2: do. I can see how you landed there. Um, okay. it, it would have been nice for at least a small line of questioning before the blade neck. I'm standing in the gym minding my own business, and Alex just walks, walks in right behind me. Gets really close into my ear and just goes, You're f-ing dead <laughs>
0: <laughs> But isn't that isn't that how he greets you every time you're at the door?
2: Yeah, to be fair, it's usually just a little <laughs> less a little less v- vicious, a little less venom in it. So I knew there was something wrong.
0: Yeah, and it's the exact uh, same words. It's just it's but sweetly. Like, hey, it went you're to the point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it went It got as far, like I was trying to prove my innocence, which he did not believe. It took a full hour for me to convince him to the point where I was, I was having to show him to my text message. He's like, he was like an angry girlfriend. He was like, show me your phone. So I had to show him my text message conversations with said, uh, prank, uh, prank mastery employees from Andretti Autosport referenced earlier so that he knew that we had had no correspondence on this topic. And uh, and I was finally I was cleared in the uh, in the acquitted. eyes yes. I was acquitted in the eyes of uh, in the court of Alex. But then so, it, then it turned into finding out who it was.
1: So then it, it progressed pretty pretty quickly, and and I started to kind of get more information as, as people found out about it. Um, and I'm not going to explain the the way that I found out with complete certainty. Wait, what? Why uh,
0: not? I want to. I want to. Well, hear no, this. because. <laughs>
1: Well, well, you know what? Screw it. I don't like him that much anyway. So, I was in the engineering <laughs> office with Colton Erdo. And um, and um, Connor Con- and I was in there and, and and Colton was aware and I knew C- Colton was involved in in some capacity. And um Colton and I were kind of talking about how we were going to get Connor back. So Colton was kind of playing both sides. Like he was obviously involved with mine, but then he also thought it'd be funny to help me get retaliation on Connor. So we were kind of trying to scheme and, and, and and talk about, you know, potential um, ideas and plans and everything. And at this time, Connor called Colton and Colton answered and put it on speakerphone right next to me. It was like, hey, dude, what's up, Connor? Not knowing that a he was on the speakerphone and b Colton was sitting right next to me, and um, Colton was like, or Connor was like, oh, dude, how would he find out? Like, he knows it was us. And Colton was like, yeah, man, he came into the engineering office and and he looked right at me and said he knew it was us, and I didn't know what to say. And and Connor was like, well, did you tell him? And Colton was like, nah, but I'm not a very <laughs> good actor, so like he may he may have he may have seen through it. And Connor was like, man, I I. I really hope he doesn't try something stupid and all this stuff. I'm I'm taking my I'm leaving the track now. I'm taking my bus keys and locking my bus and Colton was like, Yeah, that's pretty smart. Like I'm pretty scared something's coming. Okay. Hold so on. So that was the phone conversation. So so hold on, can I jump in here? So this to- was
0: the easiest yeah, this was the easiest investigation ever. <laughs>
2: well but so how did what tipped Connor off that you knew he was involved that he had the panicked phone call to Colton?
1: Uh, because I was telling all of the crew guys. Because they, they were involved. And at this point, it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 1.30 in the afternoon. I was like, yeah, it was Connor and Colton. It was Connor and Colton. I had told like eight or nine people. So somehow it had gotten back to him okay. through one channel or okay. And so I, I kind of continue with the rest of my day. And at this point, I had a, I had a plan. Um, and I'm not going to delve into the details of the plan because the plan is going to come into effect next year. But what I did in order to try and get his car keys or his bus keys is something that I will forever be proud of. It was impressive. It was an impressive effort. So what I did to get Connor's bus keys, um, I found out, um, which is pretty easy to do, to be honest. Uh, You can just assume that Connor is going to be going on a date with someone in the evening time.
2: Yeah. If it's a day that ends in Y, he's probably got a date.
1: Right. Right. So I, um, through some 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 asking around, found out who he was going on a on a date with. Um, the issue is we didn't have; she was kind of new, so like we didn't know her. No one had her phone number or whatever. And so I actually found her on Instagram. <laughs> the same her, way hit, Connor hit, probably did. Hit her up in the DMs.
0: <laughs> the same way Connor probably did.
1: And and said hey there, sorry to reach out to you kind of randomly. I really need your help with something. I'm friends with Connor and, and some of the people you know. Get back to me ASAP if you get this. So 20 minutes later, she responds like, hey, what's up? And I um, send a picture of the the golf cart tires on top of my bus and say, <laughs> I'm trying to get Connor back for a prank. Um, can, can I call you? She's like, yep. So I call her and I find out when they're going to dinner, where they're going to dinner. I try and get her to see if when, when when she is in his car to kind of look for bus keys. And we had a whole plan that she was going to like try and grab them and, and drop them outside the car. Or when she got out, she was going to leave the car unlocked when they got home. So like she was completely on board. And um, it wasn't it wasn't really going well. She couldn't find the keys initially at all. So I found out Connor uh, was going to a restaurant. I drove downtown to that restaurant, got the valet in on this situation, and got him to unlock Connor's car while See, Connor was at dinner.
0: Now, now I know that, like, you probably told the valet the situation, like you went through. This is a prank. I am Alex Rossi. All this, but in my and, head, more sure. regulars so at badly. the
2: restaurant, he he would have known what he was knew out. who we are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But what yes. I want so badly in my head is actually like, hey, I give you twenty bucks to let me in that car. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> like I know that's not what happened But in my heart that's what I want to have happened
1: Definitely not what had happened uh, <laughs> the, guy, the guy was part of the friend group And everything So he, so he, he, he was excited to be involved um, And car keys were nowhere to be found I was crawling through his Tahoe For 10 minutes Searching <laughs> for the bus keys Could not find them So then I decided to drive to his house And I tried to break into his house <laughs> well, where where I was vastly kind of mis- mistaken in this whole situation is that Connor doesn't like shower, you know, after he's been at the track all day and then goes on a date. So the car keys were just in his pocket the whole time. The bus keys were just sitting in his pocket. He never took them out. He never put them anywhere. He just they were just there. So there was no way I was ever going to to achieve um what I was trying to do so then the next day is um is uh the media day and Colton comes up to me and he's like I know where Connor's bus keys are they're in his right front pocket and I was like cool okay cool like (laughs) not helpful yeah how how would you like me to get those and he was like I don't know man like just make a mold of them and I I said uh you're still not explaining to me how I'm getting the keys out, first of all. And he's like, "Just put a bunch of putty in there and make a mold." So Colton literally is either thinks he's funny, or he's watched way too much Inspector <laughs> Gadget. Watched way and- too much, exactly.
0: This this yeah. is the worst Ocean's Eleven reboot ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ocean's eighty eight, and it's not going well.
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah. Moral of the story is, we couldn't find the bus keys. We had his date of the night involved. We had the local valet involved. I did everything that I possibly could um, In, to gain access to his bus, including breaking and entering. You know. Yeah, did <laughs> you break into his house? Committed some low-level felonies, but you know, couldn't 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 make it work. Um, so that that night, um, we were going to just get him back with his golf cart. Well, through the whole media day, he was claiming his innocence. He was saying that he had nothing to do with it, that he was upset that he was being falsely accused. It was very unconvincing. Um, but very in a very unconvincing way. But that night, his golf cart was nowhere to be found. So not only was he claiming he was innocent, but then he also felt the need that he needed to hide his, his belongings. And when I say it was nowhere to be found, I mean I had Doug Bowles looking for the golf cart, <laughs> the president of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And,
0: and his stepdad. <laughs> his stepdad. I Unrelated.
1: Had, I had mechanics. I had, there was a search party. There, there was an APB
2: out for Connor's golf cart, and it could not be located on the ground. No,
1: nowhere to be found. So then I was like, okay, we're not going to do it tonight. But his golf cart's going to be in pit lane on carb day. And while he's in the car, there's nothing that he's going to be able to do. Well, sure enough, Connor was so concerned that his golf cart never surfaced and he rode to pit lane with either his teammate or his team owner. He stopped commuting <laughs> all, all at once because I he liked, was so concerned about what went, was going to happen.
0: He went to such great lengths to inconvenience himself to stop you from minorly inconveniencing him. Like, you, know, you were going to mess with the his best golf prank cart, prank so of all. he was just like, no golf cart.
2: It's almost that's, the best <laughs> prank of all, right? Is just actually have nothing planned, but convince him you have this grand plan so that he goes out of his way to inconveniencing himself. That's actually, I mean, it kind of worked, even without it working. It, it kind of worked.
1: And then the only thing that we could do at that point was we found some air horns that I got someone to wire under his Tahoe. And it plugged into his trailer brake socket. Um, and it didn't work, so it never made any sounds. And then he discovered it, and was very angry when he discovered it, um, because he was still claiming his innocence despite the fact that he was the most guilty man in the paddock for the past forty-eight <laughs> hours. Um, so that was the uh, the pranks of the month, I guess. Um, it was very oh. anticlimactic at the yeah. end of the day. I I was getting to the point where I had farm animals. <laughs> I had livestock involved, there was is- a lot of things that were going to happen to Connor that didn't get to happen. However, 2021 is 278 days away from the 105th running of the Indy 500. So, yeah, this is like a really exciting
0: race that ends under yellow. This is just <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. The it's race, uh- the race has been red flagged, and in 270 something <laughs> days. Will be green with five to go, and it'll be very, very entertaining to see the
0: so, finish of this I mean, one. Is that how that has to go? Like you have to wait until the next 500. You can't just like get him in St. Louis. Well,
1: well, he doesn't have a bus anywhere else.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. But I feel like we could do something else to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, we can burn his house down,
2: but like it's attached to other houses, so that's risky.
1: So I literally, I literally uh, threatened that. I was so mad at him <laughs> because he also on media day took my golf cart key and hit it, and I literally walked by him, and I was like, I am literally going to blow up your house. <laughs> I, was, I was so pissed.
2: Wait, I thought it was, I thought Hunter
0: Ray hid your key.
1: Well, Hunter Ray hid my key. Up,
0: still gonna blow up you've Connor's admitted, house. You've admitted to a couple felonies on this, this podcast.
1: I mean, whatever, at this point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, so
1: man.
2: that was all the madness and, and hilarity that was the build-up to the weekend. How about the race itself? We're now at the running of the 104th Indianapolis 500, the first one ever run outside the month of May, the first one ever run without spectators in the stands. It was a very different vibe, very di- different atmosphere. How do, I mean, how did you feel on the build-up to the? So let's say from from Sunday morning. So when we got in the cars, what was it like for you?
1: I'm sorry. I was not listening to anything you just said.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to Tim, so it's fine.
1: (laughs) I'm really sorry, guys.
2: (laughs) Tim, from the minute Uh, that you got up to the minute we got in the cars.
0: So here's the weird thing about about my Sunday. I woke up at 3 a.m. on the dot. I woke up when the cannons would have gone off, like with a jolt. As if they had gone off from two thousand miles away, and uh, oh no, that was
2: actually also Alex and I. We paid a guy to go outside your house and (laughs) release a giant firework right at three o'clock in the morning.
0: Uh, I live in L.A. That's somebody's been doing that all summer. (laughs) Yeah, no, still us. Um, I don't know. It was weird. It was, uh, I had some neighbors. I have, I have a courtyard with like a, well, that's, that's, that's really
1: cool, Tim. Uh, that's nice. So what, <laughs> what were you saying, James? What, what did you ask me?
2: I was saying that we were running the first Indianapolis 500 outside yep. the month of May. The first one without yep. fans. Yeah. 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 Yep. From the minute you woke up to the minute we got in the cars to start the race. Yep. How was it? What did you, like, how, how did you feel? What did you think? Honestly, man, like,
1: Aside from driver introductions, which sucked, the biggest thing that I couldn't like get my head around was how how long we were waiting around. You know, usually that morning goes by really quick, and like before you know it, you're walking to the green room, and you know stuff's getting stuff's getting real really fast. For us, it was kind of like you know the race didn't start till two ish, which right? was
2: an- that was another difference, right? It was like I think it was the latest starting one ever.
1: So for me, that was the hardest thing to kind of deal with was just kind of the all the time nervous, that nervous anticipation was just like tripled. Um, But yeah, I mean, really it you're so you're so focused on, you know, making the right decision with like your final changes to the car, trying to like rethink of all the laps you've done there that week and, and what was good, what was bad and. Trying to predict the future based on the clouds that you see and, and the temperature rising and changing, right? So you're just all consumed with that. And so the the stress and the pressure was identical mm-hmm. to what it always is. I guess the the big thing was it just wasn't as cool. Yeah. You know? The stress <laughs> and pressure existed without that cool factor. Right. Um, which is kind of annoying.
2: Yeah, the driver intros was definitely a weird feeling, and the grid being so empty was definitely a weird feeling. Yeah, it was was really
1: anti-climatic, and quite frankly, I mean, the race was anti-climatic at the end of the day. Um, It was just an overall very 2020 uh, couple of hours. So because of the yellow
2: flag finishing under yellow, is that how you mean it was anti-climatic?
0: And and do I pronounce anti-climatic wrong, or do you guys pronounce it wrong? Because this is driving me crazy.
1: No, it's,
2: it's, I don't know. It's climactic, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. Just Had to So,
1: that out. I don't, I, I think the whole race was. I mean, don't you? Like, I mean, I don't know. It was so difficult I to, to watched follow cars. Yet. I haven't watched it either.
2: I'm curious to, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to do that today. I'm going to watch it and see what it looked like from the outside. Because, you know, when you're when you're in it, you only really know what's happening in your race. And you only really know what you're dealing with and, you know, the conditions for you, etc. I mean, for all we know, you know, it was a, it was a barn burner up and down um, and there was a lot yeah. of action on track. There was definitely Tim, no one's asking you. So there was definitely, <laughs> you know, a theme, a theme of it being very difficult to pass that. That goes without saying it was incredibly difficult to get uh, to get moves done on track. That's obviously not what you want to see. The conditions were Hot, but it it was cloudy, so it wasn't just like the track baking in pure sun the entire time. There was a little bit of wind, which was definitely, you know, throwing things off uh, on one end of the racetrack. Just, you know, we talked about this a little bit before. The added surface area from the windscreen seems to make these cars more affected by wind. But I know a lot of people were upset, disappointed, whatever, at the call to end it under yellow, I'm interested to get your opinion on it. I think that it was 100% the right call. We were four laps from the end of a race, right? Even if you red flag it at that time, let's ignore the fact it would have taken an hour to fix the racetrack uh, from, from Spencer's hit, which is ultimately what, you know, made the decision for us because we weren't going to fill an hour of dead time with four laps to go. The TV window was going to expire all these different things. And, when you get restarted you get going just to start going again you're losing a lap then you need one proper pace lap we quite literally would have been getting a green and white flag i think at the same time best case scenario which would have led to a one lap shootout which i guess in theory sounds cool but man i don't know if that actually would have been a good idea
1: i you're 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 absolutely right i think it was um it was the right decision I was not referencing my opinion of the race whatsoever on um, the finish. It was more, I was watching those last 10 laps, obviously, because I wasn't participating. <laughs> and, like, it was pretty clear that, like, Takuma had it done and, and was probably going to win by a couple seconds. And, and, and we weren't going to get the the kind of thrilling, last two laps makes the decision type thing. Right. Um, so, I think that's maybe also why there's been so much kind of desire for there to be a, a green-white checkered is because it was pretty clear that it was going to be kind of like 2018 where Will won by a couple seconds. Right. And it was just like, you knew what was going to happen type thing. Um, but uh, a late yellow would have obviously shaken that up. So I think that's where it comes from, not people arguing the decision. It's just, you know, they were hoping to for sure, be a little
2: different. Yeah, you want to see cars side by side at the line, you know. Potential of a last lap pass, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, from what I hear, you and uh, you and Dixie were put on in a good show up at the front for uh, a good chunk of the uh, the second half there.
1: Uh, yeah, man, it was
0: uh, it was good.
1: It was a good race. I don't really want to talk about my day, to be honest. It was it so. Was let's pretty...
0: dive into Alex's day.
1: No, I'd rather <laughs> talk about James's day. James James is the highest finishing Andretti Autosport driver, um, which is. Great. But I mean also a huge letdown, I yeah, think, from the whole seventh, team. For right?
2: seventh to be the team's best results when we had that many cars starting inside the top ten shows that obviously it, it was not a day it was not a day that favored the Andretti Autosport camp, to be sure. Um and actually we all like a bunch of it. We were like I think we were seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and like thirteenth or something. It was uh, we were all kind of clustered there for for different reasons. You know, I had problems in pit lane. Ryan had problems in pit lane. Um, you know, Marco obviously started up front, and then he had some issues that dropped him back. And um, yeah, man, it's it's tough. It's definitely frustrating to leave leave that event after such a strong month for the team and and not have a better result overall just you know across all cars but you know for the for the team I mean Zach was was leading the race with uh you know 15 to go kind of thing on an alternate strategy and I was I remember driving around and looking up at the tower and obviously like I said you know what's happening in your race you don't know what's happening in other people's races necessarily and I thought holy crap is he on some crazy strategy that's gonna win him the race you know is are we gonna pull it off as a team and then obviously he had to pit uh short on fuel but Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. We, I mean, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? That we sort of thought it was only appropriate for a previous winner to win this edition because of that. And when it was kind of coming down to you, Scott and Takuma, we, we, we had that, that was, that was, there wasn't a lot of first timers that were kind of up there uh, legitimately in the running near the end of that race. And, uh, And I'd like to talk to Takuma about it and kind of see, you know, get some of the, some of the contrast and comparison between, you know, 2017 for him and, and 2020 be interesting to see his take on it.
1: Um, a hundred percent. And I, I mean, of, of all, of all the people to win, like we, we, we said, we wanted a a previous winner to win it. Um, But (laughs) not me, not me. (laughs) Every episode. (laughs)
2: I could actually, like, I could hear Weller chewing something that I'm 99% sure isn't something he should be chewing just based on the noise it's making, but I refuse to get up
0: from the podcast. This takes precedent. Yeah, Teddy's, Teddy's just licking my hand this entire time.
1: So uh, we, we, we said that we wanted a previous winner to win. As you said, that's what happened. Uh, it was going to be, it was that was pretty clear that was the way it was going to go um, kind of in the last half of the race with, with Takuma and Scott. Fighting it out. Um, but I have to say, like, I thought the drive of the day was Santino. And, like, it, it pains me a little bit to say that. But, I mean, 19th to 4th in the conditions that existed, um, you know, and, and being one of the the smaller teams, right? You know, last year you could have made the argument that, you know, he snuck through that huge crash and that's what got him most of the spots. It wasn't any huge crashes this year, you know. There was a couple of cars that dropped out here and there, um, myself included. Uh, but I mean, he legitimately drove from nineteenth to fourth, and I think that was that was huge. Like that was a hell of a hell no of a doubt. result.
2: No doubt. I mean, he was he was top rookie last year, right? And um, yeah. put, you know, put on a great show. He uh, he drove smart. He stayed out of trouble. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, I, I feel like they were. There were not a lot of, you know, big accidents, uh, thankfully. You know, we had a couple cars go out for various reasons. But there seemed to be a lot of issues kinda of up and down pit lane. There were a lot of guys that had some sort of problem and it shook things up. You know, Ryan was up there running for the lead at the first stint and then had a problem in the pits and um and kind of dropped him back and there was just a couple guys, you know, back and forth that had some issues, uh, but they just had a super clean day and he drove a good race. He was very aggressive on restarts, which is what you have to do when, when passing's at, at such a premium, you know, mm-hmm. under green flight conditions. Uh, and yeah, the, the team was, was, you know, mistake free. And, and that's what it takes over 500 miles over a race that long. It's so easy to just get one little thing wrong. And that can be the difference between, you know, being up in, in the top five or position to fight for a win and. You know, be uh, be licking your wounds down in the in the 20s. So uh, big credit to him, and, and big credit to everybody at Dale Coyne Racing and Pastor Sullivan
0: and, and the whole team over there. All right. Well, I mean, so James, James, you you did have a pretty solid finish, Alex. We know you were running up at the top until the penalty took you back, and then there were some amazing passes. But like, I don't know. Obviously, not not where either of you wanted to end the day or the month or anything like that. But now you know, you're moving on and we have St. Louis next weekend. And, and so what's, what's the process like now switching into that mode? Is it similar at all to switching into a double header at Detroit or with the pageantry being cut down? Is it a little easier?
2: Well, I mean, I've just got to, I've got to switch into some more comfortable shoes. Cause I'm going to be walking oh, up and down right. pit lane Sorry. for NBC sports network for the double header gateway, which is cool. My, so my season's done now, uh, officially. Um, and it was a fun run. It was nice to be back with Andretti Autosport and everybody at Genesis and Petro Canada Lubricants that made it all happen. Uh, but yeah, so I, I switch gears back to, uh, back to my, my, my side gig. And, uh, Alex can take away on how you prepare for a doubleheader following the Indianapolis 500.
1: <laughs> I mean, <I'm, laughs> uh, I don't even know what to do anymore guys, to be honest. Um, I'm just going to show up and, you know, drive in a circle and hope it works out better than it has all year. Um, there's really not not a lot else to say. It's
2: a well, it's a it's a it's a weird format, right? So walk us through the format for the weekend. Yes.
1: So it's a it's a very frustrating format. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's a whole lot of considerations that have to be taken into play for us to have any races at this point. So. Um, I get that. I, I think it's 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 a little strange. So it's a double header, uh, short oval weekend, very similar to Iowa, uh, but the big difference is we we don't have a, a whole lot of practice time. Um, we only have the one hour session instead of two one hour sessions in Iowa, and then the races are, are in the afternoon. So it's gonna be um, it's gonna be something else from that standpoint. Just because you know usually Gateway is always a night race, um, you know the pack. Gets quite a bit tighter as the race goes on and, and the track cools off and such. Um, so it'll be very it'll be very interesting to see how it goes this year. Qualifying is is the same as Iowa. Lap one sets your your starting place for race one. Lap two for race two, um, which I love. So, I do love
2: that format actually. I think it worked really I, well in Iowa.
1: I, I think I think for a doubleheader, I think that's that's absolutely perfect. I, I have no qualms about that whatsoever. Um, the big thing is just it's going to be new for us uh, to race during the day there. It's always been a, an evening yeah. race for us. Um, so,
2: it's, so, so, so what's I mean, weather's predicted to be on the warmer side. Um, really hot on Saturday and
1: quite cool on Sunday. So, it's a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Where would you rate Gateway? At least, at least in term- there's no, at least there's no practice <laughs> you know, <for> Sunday. <laughs>
2: So rate rate gateway uh, from a physicality standpoint, you know, short ovals are usually sort of physical in these cars, you know, physical in these cars because of the G-forces. Right. But is it sure. as bad as Iowa? Is it?
1: I think what we found is like the, the ovals aren't aren't that bad um, with, with the aero screen, right? Because even though it's a short oval and it's slower than a super speedway, you're still going 170 mile an hour average, right? So there's still quite a lot of air that's coming in. Um, so from a physicality standpoint, it, it's not that bad. Turn three and four is pretty pretty heavy, but then turn one and two, you know, is almost a break. Um, in terms of you actually have to hit the brake pedal, uh, so it's it's quite a bit slower. Um, so I'm not I'm not concerned about that in terms of being a double header. I still think the big the big test for everyone is going to be Mid Ohio when we have that double header. Um, you know, once they once they figure out a date in September, so. Um yeah, physicality's fine, heat, not that big of a deal. I think really the, the biggest obstacle is is how the cars are gonna behave um in traffic in, in, in sunlight in the heat of the day. What's but your- that, my friends, is James's job. James's job is to make that all sound as interesting as possible <laughs> and to make it this dynamic show that keeps viewers captivated with his subtle nuances and his very well-kept beard um that he was given (laughs) wow that was one of the most painful sentences
2: i have ever sat through (laughs) in my life um okay well so in light of that in light of the the work that i have to do along with my you know wonderful uh Wonderful coworkers at at NBC Sports Network here. Um, do me a solid. Could you just do something cool, like qualify poorly and drive your way up to the field and make it super exciting?
1: I mean, no. Okay. Simon probably will though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had I mean, some of the. You had some of that when we got to the back of the line at the 500. That one pass you took, you you're okay. like five cars. Okay.
1: I, I I hate to to burst bubbles here, but I'm gonna do it just because I'm in that sort of mindset. Aren't you always? Aren't I always. What Alex
0: is grumpy? No.
1: It's um when you restart 26th, it's pretty easy to get to like 19th. (laughs) Getting getting from nineteenth to tenth is exponentially more challenging. (laughs) And then getting from tenth to first is impossible. So I mean, people are like, "Oh, you know, if if you didn't crash, you were you were making progress." It's like, no, 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 no. I was I was not. You're like, I had um,
2: made progress, but that was-
1: there was a there was a kerfuffle that I got around, and then I was very much in nineteenth for the, the the next fifteen laps. Um, I do want to point out <laughs> not that you able did not able to do anything.
0: You did not follow my pre race advice.
1: That, well, but that ultimately didn't really have the impact <laughs> on the the result.
0: It. fair but you know next yeah. time listen he called me okay. from the grid so we could do our our pre-race advice
1: and what did you tell me tim
0: i said uh, hey um after you do that first lap you should do 199 more of those
2: Ah, oh, yeah yeah <laughs> he definitely didn't listen to you on that one i, I thought it was time. good advice
0: yeah
1: i did 147 <laughs> more <laughs> fun fact fun fact Um, So you know how we all wear our heart rate monitors um, in the car. We talked in the episode last week about how Becky's heart rate was higher than James's during his qualifying run. My highest heart rate was definitely when I hit the wall.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that makes sense. What was your heart rate when you hit the wall?
1: Like they peaked at 158.
0: Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it feels pretty low for hitting a wall.
1: I mean, it was like (sighs) 20-ish. Beats higher than it was. I think. Yeah, I think
2: my peak was when my car wouldn't go anywhere in pit lane. So literally, while the car was not moving, was the highest heart rate of the race. Makes sense.
1: Yeah, rage will do that to you.
2: It does. It's it's got an elevating effect on the old heart rate. Sure, sure. Well, that is it, guys. Hundred and fourth running of the Indianapolis five hundred golf cart pranks and all is in the books. It was bizarre. It was weird. Big congratulations to Takuma Sato, Honda, and everybody at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing uh, for uh, for being two-time champs. Very exciting for those guys. And we now head to Gateway, as we said, for the doubleheaders. So make sure you tune in this weekend. Alex is going to be pounding the pavement, trying to get that first one of the season. I'm going to be pounding the pavement in a different way, trying to not sweat my nuts off in pit lane. And uh, trying to share a, a great day with you guys.
1: I'm just going to be out there pounding rock. Just out there. Doing lap after lap after lap after lap yep. after lap. Call yeah, but do the them all again. this time. I have better advice.
0: Yeah. Copy. Copy.
2: <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at The Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean friend.